extraterrestrial intelligence. Sam's bedroom was alive with radio noise, the steady clicking of the radio time clock WWV, and the hissing of the TV set and off-frequency radio receivers. Tiny green, blue, red, and orange bulbs blinked on the equipment bank. Every light in the room was switched on. One green phosphorus computer to monitor and a color monitor displayed the SETI graph, now blank, while a large color monitor displayed a panoply of three-dimensional shapes. Sam loved to see those random shapes change, move, and rotate. He used various sophisticated and high-resolution graphic programs just for fun, just for visual titillation. The power consumption in the room was pushing the limits and straining the house's wiring and red-hot circuit breakers. But here in his room, with all of his equipment, he was in control. At his fingertips were sophisticated pieces of equipment that he directed and managed. He hunched over his black and orange metabox. The cover was off as he tweaked and turned several internal potentiometers. He was happy and focused on the work he was doing. He looked up at the clock and put down the plastic diddle stick adjusting tool. Come on, Efren, where the hell are you, he muttered. Sam rolled his chair to the bank of radios and picked up one of his microphones. WA6JER, this is K6ZDQ. Sam put down his microphone. The silence of his two-meter amateur radio was broken. ZDQ, this is JER, where are you? Pulling up in front of your house, Ephraim replied. What took you so long? I had to talk my ass off to get out after 9 p.m., Sam. Capiche? I don't understand, but it's less than an hour before we could be getting to doing something. Give me a break, will you? It's lucky I'm even here. It's a school night, you know. Sam took a long, deep breath and then leaned back in his chair. He tried to calm down and slow his blood pressure. How about Mitch and Rollo? Are they going to make it? You got to be joking, man. Sam leaned forward with a big smile on his face. Hey, bub, what are you ratchet jawing with me for? Why don't you just come in if you're in front of the house? Because you keep on asking me questions a mile a minute. That's why. Holy shit, Sam. That's a no-no. Cursing is not allowed on the air. Will you stop busting my chops? WA6JER, clear and coming in. KD6ZDQ, clear, QRT, Sam said. He hung the microphone on a nearby hook and turned off the radio. He reached over his main SETI receiver and turned the volume higher. All he could hear was a steady sheet of background noise. Nothing broke that stream. 
He turned the volume even higher. He stared at the speaker, straining to hear something, hoping to hear something, praying that he would hear something. Instead, all he heard was Ephraim's heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. They stopped. Sam heard Ephraim's heavy pounding on the door. Then, in a cheerful, high-pitched, playful voice, Sam asked, Yes? Who is it, please? It's the Arrowhead Waterman. Open up the fucking door, Sam. I gotta piss bad. It's open, dear, Sam said, laughing. Ephraim burst in, breathing heavily from the long trip up the stairs. He was sweating profusely and had a look of desperation on his face. Sam knew this look. Ephraim was desperate much of the time in constant need of fulfilling his demanding creature comforts. Ephraim took two steps into the room, slammed the door behind him. I gotta pee real bad, and I need a Pepsi even worse. What's to eat? Ephraim stretched out on Sam's bed, watching a nearby television monitor. The picture was scrambled, but Ephraim didn't seem to mind. Watching the erotical cable channel and just listening to the audio was good enough for him. A large bag of Fritos lay on his stomach, and two empty Pepsi cans were at his side. Hey, Sam, yo. Sam was busy pounding commands into his computer and scrolling through the data on the screen. He glanced at the digital readout on his main SETI receiver. Hey, Sammy, we really have to wire up a black box for erotica. I'd like to see what's going on. Sam answered, clearly distracted. Use your imagination. No, he said, I want to see the real thing. Well, Ephraim, go to the Embarcadero in San Diego or Hollywood Boulevard up north and you'll get what you want and maybe what you don't want. What penicillin can't kill. Sam concentrated on the SETI receiver. It was constructed of several parts, power supply, preamplifier, detector circuitry, and signal amplifiers. It was mounted on a floor-to-ceiling standard 9-inch equipment rack. A thick bundle of wire spewed out from the rear of the rack in every possible direction. The most important connection, however, was the RG-58U cable that went through the metabox and into his PC. Sam was completely in his element, flitting from one piece of equipment to another. He occasionally stopped to ponder in a piece of equipment or an adjustment problem. He would mumble to himself. Then a light bulb would go off in his head and he would determine a solution to the perplexing problem of the moment. Sam turned and looked quizzically at Ephraim. Ephraim, the signal strength from that sector of the sky is down from last night. I'm not hearing nearly the level of background noise I should be hearing. He stood up and pushed away from the long homemade plywood desk that stretched from wall to wall. Sam began to pace. He nervously looked at the row of digital clocks. Only ten minutes remained before the supposed return of the signal, Sam hoped. Ephraim, it's almost 0800 i got to find out what's going on. Will you help me and stop eating chips and watching that crap? A look of understanding suddenly crossed his face. He looked at the scrambled monitor and heard the moans and groans by the erotica channel. He grabbed Ephraim's leg. Ephraim, what transponder and satellite is this crap on? I don't know. I just turned on your bee dish. 
I knew you were using EA, so Sam raced over to the beta controller and looked at the digital readout. Westar 5, transponder 10. He pulled down the ladder from the trap door and scrambled up to the roof. He didn't have to look very long to find the problem. Sam stumbled back into his room. When he hit the floor, he rolled on his back and then popped back up. He lunged for the satellite control panel he had constructed and pushed the positioning switches for the beta switch. Ephraim sat up quickly, sending Fritos flying in every direction. His television monitor suddenly went blank. Snow buried the erotica channel. The loud hiss of blank audio filled the room. Hey, I was watching that stuff, Ephraim protested. That stuff was interfering with the reception on Alpha. Ephraim stood up. That isn't fair. It was just getting to the good part. Sam finally released the control buttons and turned off Ephraim's monitor. Then he put his hand on Ephraim's shoulder and tried to be as polite as possible. Just listen up, Ephraim. The beta dish was pointed at West Star 5 Transponder 10. Beta was pointed directly in the line of fire to Alpha. Beta's position was making it impossible for Alpha to detect. He turned toward the row of clocks. One may be coming in in three minutes. Ergo, a man and a woman screwing each other on the erotica channel was about to block the most important transmission ever received in the history of man on this planet. In the four billion years, this planet has been in existence. Ephraim closed his eyes and tilted his head to one side as Sam hopped back into his chair and turned up the volume on the SETI receiver. It sounded more alive. Sam and Ephraim could hear more volume and static pulses. Geez, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Kick my ass. Don't let me use the bathroom. Stick a hot poker in my eye. Spider in my pants. Force me to look at pimple-faced, fat-ass, onion-breath Lila Cummings. God forbid. Don't feed me for a week. I'm sorry. Ephraim, pull up a chair and relax. Start the tape deck recording. Drink another Pepsi. Come over here to make notes while I control the computer and receiver. Ephraim dutifully did what he was told. He sat next to Sam. He rested his head on his hands and listened to the clear noise emanating from the speaker. Several seconds passed. Sam tapped several more commands into the computer. The computer-generated graph adjusted to center screen, full screen. Ephraim sighed. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Sam concentrated on the screen. He turned up the receiver volume even more, near the threshold of pain, then looked up at the digital readout of the alpha dish. Same position, no change. He whispered to himself. Then louder, he said, Ephraim, just be patient. Sam turned the volume back to a normal level. How can I be patient, Ephraim asked. I gotta go home and to sleep. It's past midnight and my mom's going to lower the boom. What if they're not on this frequency or on at all tonight? They'll be here. I'm going to leave it right here on 1420 megahertz. Exactly where they were last night. Sometime soon. Sam looked at the digital clocks. It was one minute past the hour. I should be taking a nap or something else constructive and worthwhile. Like eating, Sam said. Yeah, I'm hungry. Ephraim sat up and folded his arms. Why am I here? 
I want to make sure that someone else hears this besides me. Ephraim thought for a moment. How do you know NASA or some other government types aren't listening for these guys as well? Sam stared at the monitor. The sampling of the signal was constant as the line across the graph was traced and retraced and retraced again, all in a minute of a split second. The line looked as if it were sampling a heartbeat on a hospital monitor. The flat line, with only a small occasional squiggle, however, determined that there was no life in this sampling. Sam said, I don't know what the government is doing, but if they are listening, they're listening to 10 billion other channels at this moment. Right here, on the radio frequency of water and hydrogen atoms, I seriously doubt it. It was too obvious for them. They'd rather be difficult and do things the hard way. It's too obvious. It's, it's too obvious. They're not listening here. No one is here but me. Well, it's obvious to me I want to sleep, and I'm not used to the signal return, first faintly, then loud and clear. Sam was jolted, ramrod vertical, as though he had been hit by a burst of electricity. Ephraim was stunned. His excitement began to build. What's that, Sam? What? Sam turned slowly and smiled at his flabbergasted friend. Them. Ephraim leaned closer to the computer screen, repeated over and over, retraced over and over, the erratical baseline graph and the pronounced jagged spike in the middle of that graph. The peak varied slightly with each retracing as various data lines scrolled on the extreme left of the frame. Graph signal strength, attenuation, modulation to carrier ratio, Doppler shift. Them, Ephraim shouted. Who are them? Where are them? Bad English, Ephraim, Sam said calmly. He punched in a new set of commands. Don't let Mr. Eberly hear you talk like that, or you'll flunk out of English for sure. Ephraim looked down at Sam's hands, which were wildly manipulating the keyboard. The screen went blank momentarily. Ephraim freaked. What are you doing? I'm going to see if we can go to text. I want to try to let Maida translate this. If there's anything to translate, other than a fluctuating tone, surrounded by an envelope of static, I hope I put in the right parameters for whatever we're picking up. The raspy white noise with the warbling tone folded into the transmission was loud and clear. It had a recognizable rhythm and pacing. Certain phrases sounded familiar and regular. Perhaps the repeating patterns had some meaning, or maybe they were just repeating. I wonder if this is a beacon. Let's get some text, baby. Come on, come on, Sam said. Ephraim was zeroed in on the screen. Are they talking to us? I hope so, Ephraim. Here we go. The screen began to flash a jumbled combination of repeated numbers and letters. The CPU of the PC and Sam's made-up black box were talking to each other, running through endless combinations of code and languages. The thousands of hours spent by Sam programming and designing his SETI radio and the computer system were going to either be validated and vindicated or repudiated and rejected in the several moments by the equipment 
he had come to know so intimately. Sam grabbed the case containing the computer guts. He squeezed it. He said to it, Come on, baby, give, give, give. Ephraim excitedly said, Oh, shit, this is great. This can't be happening. This is fantastic. We'll be in astronomy mag or a sky and telescope for sure. Hell, we may even make it to National Geographic or maybe Nova on BBS. Sam ignored his friend as the screen continued to scroll. Nonsense and irrelevant text. Give, just give, Sam whispered to his computer. It did. The signal continued to blast from the speaker. Then a series of beeps came from the computer and the screen went blank. In a split second, the screen came back and began to scroll a message. Sam switched on a recording device and checked the running audio recorder. The message read, Planetesimal Earth from Planetoid in Cetus. Accept this hello program. Continuance. Sam and Ephraim sat motionless and speechless. The backup hard disk drive whirred softly for the next several seconds, then fell silent. The message repeated on the screen, then repeated again and again and again. The signal was strong and clear. Ephraim froed his brow. Bullshit, I'm telling you, this is bullshit. Continuance. What is this two-parter? Like the Menagerie story of Star Trek, someone is playing with this. This is a terrestrial signal. It's coming from Earth. Sam was also slightly perturbed, but more controlled. Who, Ephraim, look at where the antenna's pointed. Into space. There are no satellites now in that position. Sam pulled out his satellite position program from this small computer and threw it at Ephraim. Alpha is pointing right at the constellation Cetus. I know where the hell is pointed. I know, damn it. There is nothing else on 1420 megahertz now. That's an international treaty frequency. No one else is on 1420. Sam's rage and excitement quieted Ephraim. He replied, Till now. The average distance between the Earth and the Moon is 238,856 miles at a distance of 477 at a distance of 477,712 miles from Earth a flat disk several meters thick 100 meters in diameter held stationary between it and the Earth was the Moon the black velvety space beyond was filled with the steady light of distant stars. Smooth, concentric circles radiated from the center of the disk, which was surrounded by a faint magenta aura, the only color that could be seen, save for the deep azure of the atmosphere of the surrounding Earth. The dark brown outlines of the North American continent and part of the South American continent were barely discernible. It was night on those two continents, but the dawn terminator could be seen creeping across the Atlantic Ocean. A new day was approaching for the people of the Western Hemisphere. The magenta disks seemed to suspend in place, as if it were painted in present position. It was positioned so that the flat, broad part of the disk was facing North America, particularly the Southwest. 
there were no markings or protuberances of any kind on the surface. Moving closer to the disk would have revealed nothing. Only until the space just underneath the protective skin of the disk was penetrated would a passing astronaut or cosmonaut hear any noise. In space, there is no atmosphere. Sound is not heard in a vacuum. But inside the shell of the satellite, environmental systems duplicated the atmosphere of its home planet. It was necessary to duplicate the atmosphere because of the design requirements of the transceiving equipment. The interior construction was almost biological and visceral. The noise in the environmental shell of the satellite was a raspy white noise bursting with a smooth, warbling tone. Sam's raspy white noise. Sam's smooth, warbling tone. Sam's hello program from Cetus. <laughs>